Hello, this is Pizzicato Ost, and I'm Leo Javetsky. We are happy to present our third episode in the recommended piece section of our project. Today, we're finally with a symphony. It is Dmitry Shostakovich's Symphony Number no. 11, named The Year 1905, in G minor, Opus 103. Before we go any further, um, there are a few general things I would like to say. Um, well, since the biography and musical legacy of Shostakovich is so big and diverse, um, in this episode we will mostly be concentrating on the named piece. We will most certainly be back to Shostakovich in the future of our show and might slowly get a more detailed portrait of the composer and his works. Now, the second thing, um, you know, biographers and musicologists and historians often tend to polarize Shostakovich, to put a certain label on him. He's a fighter against a regime. He's an enemy of Stalin. He's either a conformist, a singer of the Soviet propaganda, and many more of these cliched um, labels. Now, in our program, we will do our best to avoid this, and we'll try to show how basically every figure has just too many dimensions to be remembered flat, especially a figure of the scale of Shostakovich. Now, this being said, let us set the mood for the show and listen to the festive overture by Shostakovich. This is his Opus 96 from 1947. Uh, one fun fact about the piece is that it was part of the one and only concert that Shostakovich performed as a conductor. Um, this was in 1962 in Gorky. Um, the city now currently bears its old original name, Nizhny Novgorod.
This was Shostakovich's Festive Overture, played by the Simon Bolivar Youth Symphony Orchestra under Gustavo Dudamel. And no, Shostakovich's music is not all like this, which you'll hear very soon. Now, the piece we discussed today, the 11th Symphony, was written in 1957. With that year in mind, and the title, The Year 1905, any Russian or Soviet person with no interest or knowledge in music already has a likely assumption. This piece is celebrating the 40th anniversary of the great October Revolution of 1917 and commemorating the first Russian Revolution of 1905. These were dates that were cornerstones in Soviet reality. Now, while the 1917 revolution is a widely known historical phenomenon, the 1905 is a little less so. I'm not even going to try and go deep into history and give an overview, but I will just say um, what's important to know for getting the context of the piece. So Russia was losing the war in Japan. Labor conditions in the cities were horrible. The power was entirely in the hands of a weak, indecisive Tsar. 1905 sees a big amount of strikes and revolts in the military and the big factories. Some of you might know the great movies of Sergei Eisenstein, dedicated to the events of these years. Um, Anyway, the highlight of the 1905 revolution is the so-called Bloody Sunday, when an unarmed crowd take a protest towards the Winter Palace in St. Petersburg. The amount of people is still a mystery, and different sources give us figures between three and 50,000 people. I also remind you that the Winter Palace is currently the Hermitage Museum, and we have already mentioned it in one of our previous shows. So this crowd, I repeat, unarmed, moves towards the Winter Palace in order to hand the emperor a petition asking for political changes. Main objectives are founding a parliament and reforming working conditions. The protesters are met at the square in front of the palace by the imperial guard, which opens fire at the crowd, leaving somewhere between 140 and 240 dead and no less than 500 injured. As a result, strikes and protests go stronger throughout the empire. The Tsar agrees and forms the first Russian parliament, or Duma. Most importantly, people understand that they have power, and they are able to use it. This sets the foundation to the events we know better, that took place in uh, autumn of 1917. Now, Shostakovich is born in 1906, 
So he's only a witness of the 1917 revolution, and even that as a teenager. However, he is, as many people of the time, especially in St. Petersburg, quite impressed and fascinated by the events. His second symphony, Opus 14, is called To October and is dedicated to the events in 1917. Um, This is composed for the 10th anniversary of the events in 1927. It is one of the least performed Shostakovich symphonies, but I will play for you just a short bit to illustrate.
This was the Mariinsky Orchestra and Chorus with the finale of Shostakovich's Second Symphony dedicated to October, conductor Valery Gergiev. By 1957, Shostakovich is an established musician, author of 10 symphonies, a piano concerto, a violin concerto, six string quartets, and much more. His relationship with the establishment and Stalin personally are diverse and uneven throughout his life. And this is the topic of many books and articles, so let's not get into that. Shostakovich in 1957 is one of the most widely performed living composers. This is along with Benjamin Britten and Igor Stravinsky. Rachmaninoff, Bartok, Schoenberg, and Prokofiev are dead by then. Also, some of the composer's works are still forbidden and banned for publication and performance. Thank you. 
This was the final movement of Shostakovich's first piano concerto, composed in 1933. And in this recording, it's played by Shostakovich himself. I'm trying to feed you a bit of the fast, cheerful, happy music um, before we start the 11th symphony, because that is not exactly the case with that music. Now, in a general thematic sense, Shostakovich explores what was always interesting for him, a personality and authority, a personality and the non-personal powers that he struggles, the grief over sinless dead. The piece, the 11th symphony, consists of four movements, which is the classical symphony structure. And the movements are all played with no breaks, forming a single picture with duration about an hour. Each movement has a separate title of its own. Movement one, the palace square, an impressive musical setting of the events. Movement two, the 9th of January, We hear the protesting crowds, the prayers, the cries, the massacre. Movement three, eternal memory, a requiem for the dead. Movement four, toxin, the rage of the people. And another remark we need to make before we approach a deeper research of the piece. Shostakovich is known to be an intense quoter. Be it Mahler or Tchaikovsky, Wagner or revolutionary songs, you can find hints of any of it scattered throughout his pieces. You will now hear just a few bars from the opening movement of his 15th symphony, which was also his last, and I bet that would sound familiar, right? Now, this is only to say that the 11th symphony is full of these musical quotes, much more than in any of his previous works in this genre. These are partially even quotes from Shostakovich's own works, but mostly from Russian revolutionary songs. Most of them are by now forgotten, even in Russia. However, in 1957, they were still known and remembered, which made recognizing them in the piece more fascinating and connecting to certain events. Some researchers say that this way the composer finally simplifies his musical language and makes it more accessible, which is the whole idea of Soviet art. But I wouldn't agree to simplify it like that. Besides, we know how folk songs are often included and reimagined by classical composers in their symphonic works. 
So whereas this is the main theme of the final movement of Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony, it is also... Right, a beloved Russian folk song, Vopole Bereza Stayala. Okay, now let us approach the piece. Dmitry Shostakovich, Symphony Number no. 11, titled The Year 1905, in G minor, Opus 103. Um, the first movement is a setting of the stage and a prologue. It starts with the discomforting, wintry quietness of the palace square on the morning of Bloody Sunday. It is extremely static. Here and there we hear a trumpet call and some drum rolls. It is orchestrated so that the diverse instrumental groups create various corners to the space, giving us a depth and a perspective of the space and staging it like in the theater. We hear the cold and still chords in the strings, the hollow, almost spooky hits of the timpani, and the trumpet call in the distance. Thank you. 
this um, introduction part lasts over five minutes until we hear two flutes introducing the first song, Slushe, or Here. It is a song of the political prisoners from the mid-19th century. I'll uh, first play you the song and then the respective part in the um, symphony. Как дело измены, как совесть рана, осенняя ночка черна. This song comes again and again in various forms, basically throughout the symphony, but specifically throughout this movement, like uh, here, for instance. Further into the movement, a second song comes along, introduced by the low strings. This is The Prisoner. That's the name of the song. Throughout this long, slow movement, we have these two songs sort of in the distance, 
as if carried from different parts of town, from the factories and the manufactories to the hero of this movement, the cold, somber palace square. long 16-minute movement, we come back to where we started, the cold, somber, morning palace square. Without a break, without a warning, we're now in the second movement, the 9th of January. I remind you, the date is that of the Bloody Sunday. This movement is characterized by an almost cinematic clarity and concreteness. It uh, might be appropriate to say here that Shostakovich had worked as a pianist in the silent movies when he was a student at the conservatory, and he's composed quite a lot for the cinema. Let's uh, leave the 11th Symphony for a moment and hear a bit of Shostakovich's music for the film The Gadfly from 1955.
Okay, back from the movies to this cinematic second movement of Shostakovich's 11th Symphony. Here we have a very obvious division of this movement in two parts. Traditionally, um, they're known as the marching theme and the massacre theme. The movement mostly uses quotes from Shostakovich's own piece, Opus 88, from 1951. It's called Ten Poems of Revolutionary Poets, which is quite unusually set for chorus and boys' chorus, a cappella, meaning there are no accompanying musical instruments. So, as before, let's first hear the original material. The song used here has a folk-like, simple melody. And uh, in the choral piece, the text of it is the people asking the Tsar to look around and see how miserable and mistreated they are. Now let's hear um, this used in the symphony. So this was the crowd moving and growing as it heads towards the square with groups joining in along the way. And in a moment of climax, the cries of the brass in the low register burst in. And the second choral sounding theme is there as a prophecy for the harsh events. This is also from the 1951 work, the Ten Poems, 
And here is the original, followed by the corresponding theme in the symphony. Interwining polyphonically, going through all the voices of the orchestra, these two themes show us the huge crowd, a roaring mass of people crying, yelling, cursing, complaining, and passionately hoping to be heard. Having reached a fierce power, the music suddenly stops. The crowd has reached Winter Palace.
Now, this was a brilliant change of setting. And when the setting is changed, um, we are back at Palace Square, only filled with the crowd. And again, we hear the theme of Palace Square, the one from the very beginning of the symphony. To me, this is plainly Hitchcock suspense. And the stage is now set for the second tragic half of the movement, the bloody massacre. We clearly hear the gunshots, the movement forward of the troops, and the hectic roars and cries of the confused crowd. Thank you. 
must admit, this bit just makes me sweat. And I'm sorry for interrupting this at, 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 at this climactic point. But um, listen carefully, because now, through this horror, through this mess and confusion and literal massacre, we hear the people's motive. As if saying, you're shooting us, but we stand strong. this horrifying scene is abruptly stopped by dead silence. We're again in the coldness of the palace square, and I'll play again this transition. Um, and and this, this silent square is masterfully shown by the tremulating strings and these icy chords of the celesta and harps and the constant trumpet call that we'd heard before even that sounds insecure in the light of what it had just witnessed and um, dimly and faintly, we hear a lamenting song, the people's melody we'd heard so many times before.
well, this is depictive, cinematic Shostakovich at his best and directest. From here, we continue to the third movement, the eternal memory. The movement is slow and solemn and is widely based on further revolutionary songs, starting with one called Vyjertvoyupali, You Fell Victims. Um, by the way, this uh, Russian revolutionary song is quite spectacularly used in the uh, Pierpaolo Pasolini movie from 1964, Il Vangelo Secondo Matteo, or The Gospel According to St. Matthew, where the musical choices are extraordinarily refined. Um, but now back to Shostakovich's 11th symphony and the beginning of the third movement, Eternal Memory, where after a very quiet introduction from the lower strings, the muted violas are introducing the song we've just heard. then goes as a slow lament with hints of quoting a few other revolutionary songs although not as evidently as the main theme this goes on until it reaches a climax and we hear the theme from the previous movement reminding us of the hopes and dreams that were harmed but not killed and silenced
From this sad lament, we get to the fourth movement, the toxin, which is, in contrast, much more active and lively. It's perceived as a story about a powerful revolutionary impulse foreshadowing the coming victory of the people. In the rapid change of energetic rhythms and intonations, in the flashing of moving pictures, in the increasing pace, we feel not necessarily the epic historical narrative, but more the pulse of modernity. Again, a few revolutionary songs serve as motifs. Here is one that also opens the movement. And here's how it goes in the symphony. also hear themes that go throughout the piece. Further into the movement, we go through quite a few climaxes based on these and other songs. We get a short flashback 
to the palace square, an event that had remained in the memories of the people with a quiet, lamenting version of the old song led by the English horn. The actual toxin, the bell, comes in the second half of the movement to express the readiness to fight for a bright and happy future. It shows the 1905 revolution as the general rehearsal to the events of 1917.
this was the ending of the symphony. Um, for illustrating, we were using a recording from 1996. This was the Philadelphia Orchestra with Maris Janssons conducting. Um, Janssons passed away a little over a year ago. Um, this recording also features some light music by Shostakovich and in general is highly recommended. First performed in Moscow on October 30th, 1957 under Natan Rachlin, Shostakovich's 11th Symphony received a unanimous approval of the press. This is for the first time after his uh, first symphony some 30 years earlier. Now, the foreign press, however, reacted quite negatively, calling the musical language too simplified and direct. Shostakovich received the Lenin Prize for this symphony, and the following year, um, all of the works by Shostakovich that were still banned um, after 1948 were finally released. This is, in general, uh, an exciting story, and we might go into more detail um, about the whole banning situation in one of our next shows. Um, and in case you're looking for other recordings of the symphony, I would recommend looking into further three. Um, 1957, live at the Leningrad Philharmonic with the Leningrad Philharmonic Orchestra under Evgeny Bravinsky. Very academic, classy, stylish recording, as always. Um, 1958, Houston Symphony Orchestra, Leopold Stokowski, kind of a staple for Shostakovich 11. And a very good recording uh, from 1983, with the USSR Ministry of Culture Orchestra under Gennady Rajdestinsky. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We would be very grateful for likes, shares, comments, and any questions, anything that could make our program better. And for now, bye-bye.